Very warm greetings to all in the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Now let us learn from Hannah's prayer further. Now you know in life, sometimes when we have prayers answered and we are delivered from great anxieties, great troubles, great trials, great temptations, now it is natural that we will be Bouncing with joy, rejoicing, rejoicing. Now if you turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2. Now we know that God has delivered and helped Hannah. Now in verse 1, now Hannah continues in the Lord and she prays. My heart rejoiceth in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. Now, the word rejoice is repeated. Her, hearts were, her heart was overwhelmed with joy. Now, both words, uh, the word rejoicing in both places are different words. The first one denotes an overwhelming joy to the point where the person is almost literally, literally jumping up and down, you know, just uncontrollable, overwhelming, overflowing. You've seen children like that, right? They receive that, the thing that they wish for so much. And then you see them jumping up and down, running around the house, jumping up and down, holding the thing. Well, this is that picture. The second one, because I rejoice in thy salvation. Now, that is similar, um, is also very exuberant, but this has to do with something more personal and also religious. It's also used to signify, no, not just personal, but a religious rejoicing. It means something to do with God, not just personal. Hannah used two different words to express what was in her heart. Like I said in the beginning, now, Christians, we ought to rejoice when God answer, answers our prayers, when God delivers us, when God helps us, help us through something in life. You receive very difficult news, bad news, and then you pray and the Lord help you through it. Or for your child, something happened. Or about your job, or about your health. Now, it's natural that we, like Hannah, rejoice. But you notice that Hannah's rejoicing is not merely personal. It is also about God. Now, that is what we must learn. What do you rejoice about? What do you rejoice in? That is the title. Now, in the midst of this joy, we want to learn from Hannah. What else? In fact, more importantly, what is the main thing that the Christian must rejoice in? Now, if you look at Verse 2, or sorry, in verse 1 alone. She begins her prayer with this, My heart rejoices in the Lord. Now, it's quite amazing, isn't it? Most of the time, we pray, Lord, please heal my sickness. Lord, please heal my child. Lord, please, please um, give me a job. Lord, help me go through this, solve this difficult problem for me. And then after that, when we kneel down, the first thing, Lord, thank you for, we thank you, God, for that thing, right? But notice Hannah says, my heart rejoiceth 
Is it rejoices in Samuel? No. Is it rejoice in, well, how my husband loves me so much? No. Is it rejoice in, well, how my how uh, Panina now, well, can't say that I am barren? No. There was a great grief in her heart. But now when she comes to the Lord, it's my heart rejoiceth in the Lord. In the Lord. Now when she says, my horn is exalted, also in the Lord. When she says, because I rejoice, is also in thy salvation. Now Christian, this is an important theology, doctrine in our lives that must begin to take hold of us and change us. Hannah did not rejoice in God's answer of prayer. Not that that is not important, right? She did say, for your salvation, for your deliverance. But Hannah, she was so genuine, she looked beyond the gift to the giver. And that is the thing that the Christian now must begin to learn. Now, this thing that Hannah went through in her life, I mean, to say she had a very difficult and miserable life, I think it's an understatement. But yet, when she comes to the Lord, her rejoicing is about the giver. Who the giver is. In other words, her rejoicing is who the Lord is. That is the first thing. Lord, may the Lord teach us in our lives. Now, she went from loss of words, right? We saw last week how her mouth just moved. She can't even bring forth words to the point where Eli thought she was drunk. But now when you read this prayer, it was so clear in her mind, in her heart. And what she praised the Lord for was so clear. What she was thankful for was so precise. The Lord, the giver. Now we, in our life, must focus more on who God is. The greatness, the glory of God, rather than the greatness of our problems in life. And that is, that was Hannah initially. When the greatness of a problem was greater than the glory of God, well, she went through great grief. She can't even pray aloud. Can't even bring forth words. But when her mind began to focus on God, the clarity of the, or the rather I'll say the perspective of life became so clear. Now may we also learn that this prayer is the forerunner of many prayers in the Bible. We don't have time, but if you go back and you look at Mary's prayer in Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, you will see she practically modeled her prayer to Hannah's prayer. Maybe I'll just have you to turn there, right? Just very quickly. You see, this was the heart of Christians that we have missed out on. Luke chapter 1, 46 to 55. Now, immediately when Mary was told by the angel 
that she is carrying in her. God, the very God, who will come as the Messiah in the flesh. Now, what did she say in verse 46? My soul doth what? Thank God for this. No, doth magnify the Lord. The very first thought was the glory and the greatness of God. My spirit doth rejoice in, see the same thing, rejoicing. What did she rejoice in? In God, my Saviour. Same prayer as Hannah. In God who rejoiced in the Lord, my Savior, and, she re- and Hannah rejoiced in her salvation. Now then, if you look how she talked about the strong arm of the Lord, scattered the proud and imagination of the heart. The same thing as what Hannah prayed in verse 2. Well, and in verse 3, no more let the exceedingly proud, let let not arrogancy out of your mouth. So she prayed the same thing. And she prayed, put down the mighty from their seats, exalt the low degree. Man was modeled after Hannah, where the bows of the mighty men are broken and they are stumbled. And then he talks about, well, the weak, the weak, the feeble, they are lifted. And he helped. And look at verse 54, uh, verse 53. The hungry and the rich. Hannah prayed that the same thing. And then he said, verse 54, hope and his servant, Israel. You see, it was not just about Hannah. It was not just about Mary. But now it is about Israel. Far bigger issues than just deliverance. And then she talked about Abraham and his seed. The salvation of mankind. Now, Christian... When you go through the Psalms, you will find snippets of this rejoicing of Hannah in the Psalms. Almost identical words. This became a lesson to the future Old Testament saints, New Testament saints. It became a model of what the Christian should be occupied with in our hearts and our minds and what are those things that should cause us to be overwhelmed with joy? What causes you to jump up and down? When you see your child jump up and down, when your child receives a teddy bear, you wonder in your mind, why do they get so excited about this? There are far greater things to rejoice in life about. Well, that is how we are. Christian, we need to move our minds. We need to move our hearts to the place where we rejoice in the right things in life. We have to change because we live in such a life that is so earthly. We keep looking for the earthly answers to problems in our life. I'm not saying that we don't turn to God in prayer. Not for a moment. We are supposed to ask for God's help. We are supposed to depend on Him. But we have made solving problems our personal problems, our health problems, our family problems, our study problems, our life problems, our job problems, as if that is the only thing that matters in this life. And if those things are there, I have no rejoicing. If those problems are there, I have no rejoicing. Hannah learned, and her prayer became very different from her initial prayer. And after that, the psalmist, Mary herself, oh, when such great event happens, well, in their heart, they rejoice in God. Christian, when was the last time you rejoiced in God. 
that the very thought of God, and remember Hannah used another term for rejoice, that is that kind of rejoicing is typically used in the rejoicing, a religious rejoicing. Means it is about God, about His kingdom, about His work. She used that term. When was the last time when you came to worship, your heart was just so overwhelmed, so gripped, so taken up with who God is. Now, when Hannah says she rejoiced, she elaborates her rejoicing. Look at verse 2. All right, we learn about verse 1. Look at verse 2. What was she rejoicing about in the Lord? Not in Samuel, not in her family life. And she says, there is none holy as the Lord. There is none beside thee. Neither is there any, sorry, verse, verse 2, um, neither is there any rock like our God. Now, that is what she was rejoicing about. Oh, what clarity of thoughts about God. Now, Christian, what thrills your heart in life? What brings you exuberant joy in life, in worship, in the learning of His Word, in prayer. What is it that when you, when you come to the place of prayer, come to the place of learning, come to the place of worship, your heart is just seeking to rejoice in God? Now, most of us come to church. Most of us pray to God. Most of us turn to God in times of troubles, Asking God for benefits or help. Most of us are preoccupied with that. That is all. Now, many of us come to God not simply to adore and rejoice in who He is. Most of us come to God to ask things from Him for ourselves, for our family. That is our typical life. But here Hannah shows us a very different spirit and the psalmists in their psalms, in the New Testament prayers, oh, they are not like that. Now what about magnifying the name of God? What about who God is that bowls us over? Now our deepest rejoicing I'm not saying that rejoicing in how God has delivered you is wrong. But our deepest rejoicing in our life, Christian, must be about magnifying the great name of God. That was Hannah's heart. Now, I think if we were Hannah, after such a great help, great deliverance, great relief, well, number one, I don't even know whether we'll go back to God to thank Him. And when we go back to God to thank Him, what our very first thought would be, there is none holy as the Lord. There is none beside thee as our God. There is no rock like you, our God. Would those things be, what will be occupying our hearts and our minds? Now when the glory of God when the might of God, when who God is, 
matters above all else in our life. Especially our own problems, our own troubles. It's only then, my friends, that we'll become like Hannah. Hannah, after all this, began to see life in a very different perspective. Now, you know that, right? She did not keep the child for herself. It was no longer about the child. Initially, she thought it was the child. The child, just give me a child. That would solve my problem. But after she received it, she saw life in a very different perspective. She joyfully, willingly just, Lord, use the child. Not a single mention of her unwillingness or tears or, or grief anymore. Why? Because when who God is, is so great in our lives. Oh, we just can't stop thinking and talking about who He is rather than thinking and talking about how much He has given us or done for us. Now, when you and I seek our own benefits, when you and I are preoccupied with our benefits, actually our rejoicing will be fleeting. Our rejoicing won't last long. Won't last long. Now, Hannah came to a point where her soul was lifted up to a plane where it transformed her. Now, Christian, that is what, when, what will happen to us when we begin to rejoice in who God is rather than what God has done for our lives. Now, we must learn that experience to the point where, like Hannah, that when we are overjoyed, when we kneel before Him, the first thought that comes to our mind is, oh, His holiness. Oh, His greatness. Oh, His goodness. Just simply because He is God. That is all. Now, when we begin to learn this experience that when our souls are taken up, my friends, that was her. Her soul was just taken up by the attributes of God, who God is. Taken up by His holiness, His power. You know, it is only then that our souls, my friends, would be most nourished, most fulfilled, most strengthened, nourished, fed. Now, Christians, when our worship each week, when your quiet time each day is filled with the adoration of who God is, now you will know a change in your heart and your life. You will know a, a, a satisfaction. You will know a transformation. You will know, a, I say, a nourishment to your soul like never before. I'm not saying that giving thanks to God for His help, for His deliverance is not important. But that will only go so far. And if that is the only thing that we are concerned and thankful for, we will not go beyond the carnal. We will not go beyond the earthly. But it's when, like Hannah, when our souls are lifted up in adoration and praise and, and meditation of who God is. And that is what our rejoicing is. Oh, Christians, you will find 
uh, unparalleled rejoicing in your life that is independent of situations. Hannah learned that. That's why her prayer changed. That's why when she, she now please know this, this prayer is, is when Hannah has this, been described to have given the child to the Lord in the temple, that is when she prayed this prayer, her perspective totally changed. She was lifted to a plane that was so different. She was transformed. So Christian, if your life and my life has pretty much been a life where we are very earthbound. What God does for us is more important than what, who He is. We rejoice in the things that God has given us rather than in the giver Himself. The next problem when it comes, we will be like Hannah in her initial stage. That is all. We will not move beyond. Lord, I freely, willingly give it to you. And in fact, when we give it away, when it's called, called from the Lord to return it, we will struggle. We will struggle. Now let us see what Hannah rejoiced in, all right? What is it that thrilled her? Are these things that thrill you, my friends? Now, first and foremost, she said, there is none holy as the Lord. Do you know what she is, what has gripped her heart? What is the thing that made her jump up and down? What is the thing that made her just, just be, be overflowing with joy? Not Samuel, but the Lord is holy and there is none like him. What is holy? To her, the very thought that God is, you know the word holy, holy means separate. So infinitely above, so infinitely different, so infinitely pure that none can come close to him. So when she said the Lord is holy, none like him, none can compare with him, none can come close to him in any attribute. That is what she means. Whether it's holiness in terms of purity, godliness, sinlessness, but in every aspect, there is nothing that can come close to what God is. Oh, that is what made her, wow, this bowls me over. She was not praying about Samuel. Wow, what a wonderful child. What a cute child. What an obedient child. Not even what a great opportunity to give this child to the Lord. Friends, when was the last time the distinctness of God, the self-existence of God, the God that does not need anything, does not consult with man. God is so high above all. When was the last time that that thought makes you jump like crazy and say, wow, Lord, this is amazing. This is overwhelming. My mind cannot grasp it. When was the last time? Compared to what we rejoice in in life. But this was Hannah. What do you rejoice in? That is where we must begin to start to see that God is infinitely above everything that we can imagine in this universe, in our finite mind. Now, that is one thing. You know, we often think of the problems that are so big, infinitely, high, uh, infinitely unsolvable to us. 
That is why we go around in misery. But once you see who God is, you realize, I, I don't even think I need to pray about this problem in my life because it's so insignificant. It's so insignificant. I'm not downplaying troubles in life, difficulties in life. I'm not doing that at all. But I'm telling you the comparison. When your mind is drawn to who God is, oh, that changes your perspective. Now, what else did she pray about? What else did she pray about? Look at verse 2. None holy as the Lord. Well, the covenantal name. Right? She used both God, our God, as well as the Lord. Capital L-O-R-D is Jehovah. Always signifies his covenant, his covenantal nature. Now, just the very thought that God is my covenantal God. Just the very thought that God is a God of promise. God is a God who, when he says something, he will do it. All those thoughts cause her to be overwhelmed. God is not like man that is, that is shifting, that cannot be depended upon. God is my covenantal God. That is enough. That is enough. Now, next one, quickly. Now, look at what she says next. There is none beside thee. There is none beside thee. Now, this is again talking, none beside thee. Like, there is neither is there any rock like our God. What is she saying? Well, unparalleled, incomparable in every aspect of anything in life. He is unique, none like him. Do we think about these thoughts? But when she says, the rock, the rock, well, rock signifies power. Rocks can crush people and turn them into powder. The power of God. She dwelt on the power of God. Well, I think she well knows. She knew no one can give her a child. It is beyond human intervention. Only God can do that. So she thought about God as an infinitely powerful God. She, he can do things that, that is beyond human, that thrills her. Not that God has answered her prayer, but just simply because he is God. Now, power, the source of strength. Now, what else? The rock refers to God is unmovable. An anchor for safety. Foundation that can never fail. You see, these are the attributes of God, the covenantal Lord, that, that stirs her heart. You know, one of the sad things, I think we've come to a stage as Christians. We don't see this supremacy of God, the sovereignty of God, but we see God as our servant. Not the supreme sovereign God, but a servant God. That God should answer our prayers. God is there to help me. I turn to him when I have trouble. God is not about being worshipped in our heart and mind. That is what Christianity has ended up to be today. Why? Because of the emphasis. God wants to heal you. God wants to bless you. God wants to give you whatever is in your heart. Now then, the sovereignty and supremacy of God is now secondary but I am supreme and I am sovereign. What I want, what I need, 
this God must give me. And very good. By the way, he's powerful also. Rather than simply because this is who he is. Now, Christian, I really hope that we go back and search our hearts. Lord, have I turned you into my servant? Have I turned you into my servant? I come to church because I hope that when I come to church, when I pray, then you use your power to answer my prayers. I come for whatever activities, and I hope that you please take note and then answer my prayers. You should, right, God? Now, we have turned God into this, well, what most people say, our cosmic genie, cosmic genie, right? Or cosmic butler, our butler that stays in the, in the, in the third heavens. He's there on our call. We ring a bell. He listens, but not Hannah. She come to realize there is much more to God than just hearing my problems and answering my prayer. And she rejoiced in that, All right? Now, so yes, um, it also means, well, the rock, a faithful, uh, a faithful refuge that she can turn to. There's no God like that that she can depend on. And she knows just to think that this is the God. Why did I go to him? Because he is such a God. He's so marvelous. Now then she keeps repeating this word. If you, if you look, look at verse 22. There is none. All right? And then there's none holy. Then there is none beside thee. Then there is, is there, um, neither is there any. Now this tells us what takes up Hannah's heart? What thrills her to pieces? Are those things, are those things, my friends, the things that we come to worship Him for today? Do we come with a heart when we sing, when we, when we receive the communion, when we receive the word, Lord, I want to see your glory, and Lord, I'm here to praise, worship you. Or when we are singing, where is your heart? Where is your mind? Well, singing, well, I think I saved some breath. I think I may as well do some things first. That is our thought of God. There is our mentality towards God. Well, some of us may not be so blatant. We don't do our own things. Some of us may sing. Oh, but it's our heart. It's our heart. So gripped with this almighty, infinite God that we sing with the greatest thrill in our heart about Him, about His character. Or do we come to church uh, all these hymns about praising God. You know, I have a lot of problems in my life, and this big problem that I have, where is the hymn that, that will comfort my heart? I'm not saying that we should not seek comfort in worship, but predominantly that is our main desire. But here Hannah, in her worship of the Lord in prayer, oh, she teaches us key things that we must change in our lives, in our worship every Sunday. When you kneel before God to pray, now let us now begin to incorporate our first thoughts in our hearts and our minds about who God is. That is how we need to learn to pray. Now, this year is the theme on prayer, right? This is one thing I think is very good for us. The psalmist, Mary herself, modeled their prayers after this prayer. God the Holy Spirit gave her this prayer to teach us how to worship God. Now, then we move. Then we move. Then she says this. Verse 3. Now, she, what did she talk about God? For the Lord is a God of knowledge. 
a God of knowledge. Now she is now thinking about, and this knowledge is what? Verse, verse 3. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. In other words, he is a God who knows things, knows people that others may not know. You may know a person, but you do not know what is in their thoughts. But this is a God that knows all things, the God of all knowledge. The God of all knowledge. All knowledge, the omniscience of God. The thought of omniscience, does that thrill you, my friend? Do you ever pray, God, you are the God of infinite knowledge? When was the last time we prayed that and praise Him and get so excited about it? You know, sometimes we read about some, th- some technology, we are so amazed. Right? Recently, I read some, some inventions in robotics and all that. So, this is just amazing, you know. I want to tell people, I want to talk about it. I said, when was the last time I was so thrilled about the infinite knowledge of God? Now, you know, in Psalm 147, verse 4 to 5, let me read to you. The Bible tells us, He, which is God, telleth the number of stars. He calleth them all by their names. Great is our Lord, our, great is our Lord and of great power. His understanding is infinite. You know, the world has basically given up counting on stars. At one time, they thought they can account for how many stars. They come to the conclusion it's infinite. Forget about it. They've given up. But here, God says, He tells the number of stars. There are stars that we are beginning even to discover. There are galaxies that we don't even know about. But God says, all of them. Of course, He's the Creator. I know them. And He called them, the Bible says, all by their names. Can you imagine? Galaxies, stars, planets that we don't even know of its existence, even those that we know, we've lost track. But God says, I call them all by name. Now this is to emphasize not the memory of God, but the infinite knowledge beyond our understanding. Now these are the things that, that made, made Hannah rejoice. Now, if I do have time, there's one thing that I love to watch are documentaries. Because in there, I see so many amazing creation of God. You know, today, they model television after the eye of, of um, the fly. You know, flies, household flies, so dirty. But they realize just the creation, the eyes of flies are so amazing. They model aircrafts, helicopters, their flight after dragonflies things that we don't even think about. But they are amazed. They, they are amazed at how these things can move. And God just spoke them into existence. The infinite knowledge of God. My friends, are these things that we just think about and we want to find out more and we get so thrilled with? Well, Hannah sang about this, prayed about this. The infinite knowledge of God. God knows all, sees all in his creation that is so beyond us in this universe. But God says these are nothing to him. He spoke them into existence. You know, increasingly when I see, when I begin to realize how things function in the universe, just a little bit of knowledge, can't even compare with the scientists, let alone compare with God. It is so amazing how the laws 
just link with one another. Men are just beginning to discover the laws that exist in this universe. And they cannot explain it. They just can describe it, that is all. And it is even within it. There are things that they are not sure of. But God just spoke them. They exist, come into existence, and they work perfectly. Perfectly. Now, Christian, that is what made Hannah rejoice. Do you rejoice that God is that? Now then we move on, all right? We move on. Then he says, but, then he says, God is a God of knowledge and by him actions are weighed. Well, while she rejoiced in all this, she also is aware he is the judge. By him all actions are weighed. He is the judge. He is the one that we will be accountable to. He knows our heart. He sees our heart. Our actions will need to be answered for. He is the judge. So while she was overwhelmed by all these wonderful characteristics of God, she was also filled with reverence. There was a fear of God in her heart. There was a fear of God in her heart. Do we have that? Do we approach God, well, with carelessness? But no, she says, every action will be weighed. Every action will be weighed. There is none so great than God to her in her heart. No, no matter how wonderful things are, she saw God as infinitely more wonderful. Right? Now, Christian, young, young person in school, what thrills your heart? Inventions of handphones, which to me are quite amazing. Inventions of um, science, discoveries, what thrills your heart? Whenever you see this thing, you must say, God is so infinitely wise above all these things. And then you can't stop thinking and praising Him for that. That is what, that is the kind of Christian young people need to turn into. Otherwise, you'll be thrilled by the world. Otherwise, you'll be drawn by the attractiveness of the things of the world. See, Hannah felt that, well, nothing can compare. And everything else then therefore pales in comparison. Not important, not worth pursuing at all. Now, then we come to also um, learn what we must be careful not to rejoice in. We must learn not to, to be careful what we rejoice in. All right, there's a second thing, what to rejoice about and what not to rejoice about. Now, then she says in verse 3, talk no more exceeding proud. No, talk no more exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. Then in verse 4, the bows of the mighty are broken and they that are stumbled are girded up with strength. Verse 5, and that they that were full have hired out themselves for bread. Now, what is verse, verse 3 about? Talk no more exceedingly proud. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. Well, they were the people of the world. And, well, she might be thinking also of Panina. Arrogant, proud. Now, they rejoiced in a few things. Look at verse 4. The bows of the mighty men. 
They read bows talk about power, all right? The bows, the, the soldiers that had bows and arrows, those were, that was at that time powerful weapons. Those that have bows, well, it talks about power, all right? Of the mighty men, talks about position. These men were not only mighty of um, um, elite soldiers, a certain class of soldiers, they were mighty men. Not only that, these mighty men, this cl elite class of soldiers, they have powerful weapons. So power, position, and then she talks about verse, verse 5. They that were full, well, those that have possessions, possessions, they rejoice in this thing and then they boast about it. And God says, and he, she, she begins to pray, led by the Spirit and penned by the Spirit in the Word, the mighty will be broken, but the weak, the stumble, will be given strength in verse 4. Well, the fool, all right, the fool, those who have much in life now have to hire themselves for bread. Means they became so, so uh, bankrupt, they have to now go out and serve people just to have some bread. Instead, they were hungry or cease. Those that were hungry, no longer hungry. Now, Christian, when our hearts and minds, instead of rejoicing in who God is, we begin to rejoice in power, in position, in possession, be very careful. Worst of all, we, well, we may not outwardly boast, but in our heart, that is what we trust in, not the rock of our salvation. In our heart, secretly say, well, don't worry. You know, my bank account is there. Um, this amount will see me through my, my, my retirement. Or, well, I'm in good health, you know, compared to others. I think I will I'll be all right. Or, you know, I'm very clever in school. I, sh I should be able to pass my exams and do well. Secretly in your heart, you think that, well, you know, my children are doing well. I think they are going to be fine. You know, I can brag about them. Secretly in your heart, you think that these things are what you can put your rejoicing in. Well, worst of all, worst of all are those who brag. Hannah said, talk no more so exceedingly proud. Exceedingly proud are two same words. Proud, proud. Okay? That's why it's translated exceedingly proud. You brag about how clever your child is. You brag about how good your job is. You brag about how, how your health is doing so well as a senior. You brag about well, your bank account, about what you have. God says, be careful if that is what you take comfort and therefore joy in. Well, this prayer warns us, warns us. Christian, move away. Move away from feeling secure. Move away from being a Christian. They think these things are what matters in life and therefore, I'm not saying they don't matter, all right? I'm not saying that having need of position does not matter. But these are what you find as your rock. These are what you find as a joy in life. If you have them, you're happy. If you don't have them, you are sad. Be careful. Be careful. Hannah knew that these things will be reversed. You know, one day, all these things will reverse. Next week, God willing, we will see. Hannah was not just praying about the current. Please know that. 
This was a religious rejoicing. Understand that. When you read this, now this is a prophetic prayer. This is praying about what Israel will go through. God willing, we'll see more next week. Look at, she didn't say my enemy, for example, but my enemies. She's talking about the enemies of Israel, plural. And with this prayer, you're going to see how God literally did whatever she prayed about. And these enemies were the one who took comfort, who took joy in those position, power, and possessions. God will deal with them. So Christian, do not, do not find your joy in these things. Now then, lastly, lastly, the effects of such rejoicing. We learn what to rejoice about. We learn what not to rejoice about and make those our joy in life. And now we learn the effect of the right kind of rejoicing. What is the effect, my friends? Now, have God recently delivered you some, from something that is very dire, very difficult in life, or that you're praying for it now? Has God helped you through something very challenging? Has God recently given you something that you, you needed in your life? Now, when you rejoice in God, the effect of that will determine how you will respond, what you will use, what God has graciously answered your prayer for. What is the effect for Hannah, for example? Now, when she has the right perspective, she willingly, joyfully, not only gave the child, returned the child to the Lord, she really wanted the child to continue in that. There was no, I want to take it back, Lord. Because look at verse 11, all right? So we'll jump to the end. Now, after her prayer, God describes an egg, and Elkanah went to Ramah to his house, and, and the child did, the child did minister unto the Lord before Eli, the priest. And then that's it. No, Lord, can I take it back? None at all. Now, when your rejoicing is in God. I hope you understand this. When your rejoicing is in who God is, then whatever God answers, helps you in, you will always, because you are overwhelmed with who God is, you will always use this and joyfully give this to God. Now, why is it that many of us, well, after God answers, we change? Why is it that when God helps us, we abuse the thing and turn it into a curse in our life. Because we rejoice in things. We rejoice in answers to prayer, and that is all. That is a very dangerous thing. For Hannah, it was very different. This is it, Lord. End of story. It's yours for you to use. No regrets at all. Now, as Christian, if you want to not fall into this, well, Lord, will I continue to be faithful to you and use what you've given me in answer to prayer, my health, my money, my child, back for you for the rest of my life like Hannah, then you must now begin to focus on what you want to rejoice in. Otherwise, God may take them away. Hannah prayed that. Now, there are a few things that I want to say about when we rejoice in God, how we will change. The effects. The effects. 
Well, the first one is, I've just mentioned already, we will willingly, joyfully, without grudge, return it to the Lord, whether it's money, whether it is health, whether it is children, without grudge, no grudges at all, and will not change our mind. That is the first thing that we see in Hannah's life. Now, the other is this. If God is so high and glorious, do you know that the reason why you will willingly use it for God is because you will find that, now, what are the costs in life? What are the purposes in life? Is it worth to give this, my energy, my strength, my money to, accept this God? Who else do I want to put these, hand, these things in the hands of? Accept this God. And the third thing is this. We will find that it is the most, or rather the highest privilege and honor to actually give the thing back to God, to give our life, our resources, whatever it is, to you, to, Lord, please take it and use it. It will be the greatest privilege. You see, Israel was in a time of great trouble. And Hannah, in her prayer, prayed about how things will change. Now, I don't... I began to wonder, is she actually praying, Lord, will you use my child for this cause? To bring Israel, Israel back to what it should be. The priesthood was corrupt. The people hated the priesthood. All these kind of things. Lord, will you use my child? Use him, Lord, for this purpose. And she saw it as the greatest privilege. Greatest privilege. You know, I wrote in my pastoral, with this example, I think I will close. I wrote in my pastoral, well, sometimes when some things happen, your heart gets discouraged in life. And you get disappointed at people. And then you begin to get discouraged. Now, it happened um, last week. And then I had to go out to, um, for dinner. And that night, that evening, I saw one of the most beautiful sunsets I can remember in my life. It was really very amazing. So, so amazing, right? Uh, in fact, we stopped, and so many people stopped just to look at it because it was very unique. And then I told Sharon this, you know, when we begin to see the glory of God, and that is just a sunset, but it is this God that just so easily, randomly, every day, creates something of a beauty that no human being can ever paint. And it was changing every minute to even more glorious wonder. And I told Sharon, you know, when you see this, I begin to feel that we human are not even fit, not even fit to stand in the presence of this incredible God that words cannot describe. That is just His creation. Let alone that God, this God should come and die for us. It's unthinkable that we, that we can even come before Him. We are not fit at all. And then I began to think, you know, for us to tell God we don't want to serve Him, when God do not need us to serve Him, when I look at the sky, 
And when I think how God spoke, like Hannah said, his, power, his knowledge is infinite. He spoke things into existence. He does not need us to do anything. But He gave us the great privilege to do something to this indescribable God, to be part of His work. It is the most frightening thing to tell God, God, I don't want to do it. It is unthinkable when this glorious, infinitely indescribable God who does not need us, who does not even need to come and save us. And even if He came to save us and then He just put us aside for the rest of eternity, don't care about us, we should also say, wow, I cannot begin to thank You enough, God, that You came to die for me. Let alone provide for us, love, continue to love us, continue to be long-suffering with us, and continue to say, Lord, and continue to say, now, be part of this. It is just beyond our thinking. Now, until Christian, we began to see who God is that came to save us. Who is this God that gives us opportunity to study His Word and to know Him? Who is this God that we so terribly serve? We will rejoice and keep rejoicing just in these puny things in life that we receive. It is so senseless, so foolish. Don't envy people who have position, power, and possession, my friends. When you see who God is, it will change how you respond for the rest of your life. For the rest of your life, for her life, there's no record of Hannah wanting the child back. Samuel became a very, very, very um, useful to God and very famous in the entire Israel and in the history of Israel. Not a single thing came out of her mouth that, do you know this is my child? Do you know I'm the one who gave? None, because to her, I'm not even worthy to be part of this. And I'm so thankful I am. Now, Christian, when we begin to see God for who He is and rejoice in who He is, rather than what He gives us, and that is all, we will live at a very low plane. But when we, like Hannah, learn this, the rock of our salvation, the greatness of God, you don't need your parents to tell you, love God. You don't need church to keep saying, please don't do this. Please do that. Please obey it. You don't need that. That is what is the final change in you. Instead, you will need people to restrain you from giving your all to Him, not push you to do so. Let us rise to sing the closing hymn. 317. Let us rise to sing the closing hymn. 317. 317.